Enduro Method is an online strength and conditioning program built for those who ride by those who ride. We are professional coaches dedicated to building the best and most revolutionary off and on the bike training for dirt bikers around. Enduro Method offers a monthly subscription, which gives you access to our ongoing current training program. By subscribing to Enduro Method, you receive our Iron Track, which is for those who have a gym or gym equipment, and our Gravity Track for those with minimal to no equipment. We design our training for riders who want to keep their general physical preparedness in top form year-round. We also offer more specific training plans that you can purchase anytime. We have built an eight-week hard enduro training plan designed to get you ready to race with structured off and on-the-bike workouts, all in a comprehensive eight-week plan. If you are interested in joining the monthly Enduro Method training subscription, we are offering a special discount for our podcast listeners. Use discount code EMPODCAST23 in all caps for 50% off your first month of training. See the show notes where you can find discount codes and a link for more information and to sign up for Enduro Method. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Enduro Method Podcast. Josh and Dan here. And today we're talking all about the core. Core 101. Yeah. So, a bunch of different names or whatever. Some people, abs, obliques, midline, blah, blah, blah. Trunk. Trunk. Um, it all works. However you want to refer to it. But... We'll start off with defining, I guess, at least what we're talking about when we think of, or, you know, kind of how I think of core strength. They might have a little bit different idea, but I think we're pretty similar. Um, we'll talk about what core strength is versus bracing. Yep. Um, and then go through kind of the different ways to train it. Um, how to increase your core strength. How to increase core strength. Um, what are some of the better ways that we think to do it? Anyways, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, first off, defining core strength. So, core is a group of muscles that stabilizes and controls the pelvis and spine rib cage, um, and then therefore influences the legs and upper body. So, a lot of times, I feel like people think of core strength as like six-pack abs. Right, it's it's something you can see at least on leaner people, um, and really, there's everybody has a six pack if they get lean enough. Yeah. So, well, not quite a six. Some have eight. Some have six. Some have four. Right. That's more genetic, like how your abs are just are some under there. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> but just because you have visible muscles in your abdominal area does not mean that you are strong through there yeah um a six pack is not a good represent representation of how strong you are yeah in your core totally it's just a representation of how lean you are yes abs are made in the kitchen yep so when i think of core i think instead of just focusing on like the abdominal area i actually think of core as being from basically from your nipples down to your upper thigh. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, even the like the part of the lats where they connect down into the spine on your back, I kind of think is core because mm -hmm. um, it helps stabilize through the through the erectors in the back and the spine. Um, your psoas, your, all your hip flexor muscles, your glutes, your glute med, like all that stuff is kind of core mm -hmm. um, because it all works together. So like you can't necessarily just separate the core out to six pack abs or your obliques, internals, externals, transverse abdominis, like it's everything and it all needs to work together and be proficient to be strong. What does and rectus abdominis is like your that's like your sick your quote unquote six pack ones, but that's like one out of so many different muscles in right. your core, and then a lot of them are so deep, like your transverse, 
and like on your back, like your multifidi, like those are not shown necessarily. Um, you know, obliques I would say are shown, but like you have internal and external obliques. Um, you know, really it's just the, I mean, I would say the obliques and the rectus are the ones that you kind of see. Right. But that's just the icing on the cake. Right. And then you got all kinds of little stuff going on in there that's influencing the pelvis, mm -hmm. um, you know, no, in, in relation to the rib cage and all that stuff. So core strength, very important. Again, like from literally from nipples down to upper thigh, it <laughs> encompasses everything in there. Okay. Um, and so when you, when you train core, you need to do it in a variety of applications and angles and, um, and, and loading parameters. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't train the core with load. Right. And so you can do it with body weight. You can do it with weight. Um, anyways, we'll talk about some of that stuff later. The well, other thing that we need to kind of define is well, before we get into bracing, I want, what is your personal definition of core strength? Like, what does it mean to you at, like when you think about like applying it? So, uh, kind of two parts. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent because it's, <laughs> you, it's important. You've right? been warned people. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes so, the Josh tangent. So when I'm, when I've been trained, or training, and I go play, um, and I'm going to use a field sport as an example. Riding would work, but this is just something I really noticed early on. I uh, went and played flag football in when I lived in Jackson, Wyoming, for uh, for a little bit. And like when I went to the first game, I was more or less off the couch. Like I wasn't working out. I hadn't been doing really anything for a couple months at this point in time. And when I went and ran and tried to like make some cuts on the field, I felt like Dumby. Like I, I didn't feel like I had any like spring. Um, I felt very soft. I, it, it felt very weird. Like from coming from being an athlete and never really being kind of detrained or that far out of shape. Um, I was like, where the hell is, what happened? Like, I feel like I can't run. I feel like I'm in molasses, right? And it wasn't even that my legs were that bad. It was just that I couldn't transfer force through my midsection. So like I'd make a cut and instead of being able to go the direction I wanted, it was like passing through like this, like loose. Um, He's like waving his hands around. Like a pool noodle, right? <laughs> like there was just no strength in that thing. And so when I went to transmit force from the ground through my body to change direction, it just got lost in the middle because there was nothing that was like able to transmit the force or hold the force that was being applied. Now, fast forward that a couple months, like near the end of the season, I think it was literally right around when I was starting a mountain athlete and hit the gym hard. Um, we do, I mean, any type of weight training is core strength, but then you also do obviously like specific accessory work and all that and went back out on the field. And I just remember noticing the difference and all of a sudden I could cut quick, change direction. Like I felt like I used to be able to do, mm -hmm. um, and even better, you know? And so to me being strong in the core is all about being able to trans absorb and, um, redirect forces and it's super important on the bike because you're getting input from the handlebars you're getting input from the pegs and those are the only things that are touching anything maybe your knees right on the seat and if you're sitting down obviously but let's say we're standing up going through crazy terrain or hill climbs or down a hill you need to be able to stabilize absorb force transmit force change direction all these things constantly all the time over a longer period and potentially really powerful at times, right? To either stay on the bike, avoid a crash, um, or if you do crash, be able to protect um, as much as you are able, right? So to me, it's all about absorbing and producing force or transmitting. 
And I mean, there's a little bit of production through the core, but um, you know, you can make an argument that's more the hips and the, anyways. So what about you? <laughs> I was gonna say something snarky about, it's all about the visual, how my abs look. Um, no, I, to me, core is the ability to support your, your body, essentially. You know, for me, with like my, you know, dealing with like low back stuff and hip stuff throughout my whole, not my whole life, but seems like now my whole life at this point. Um, you know, being able to support my spine. Um, and kind of what you said, generate force um, and withstand withstand impact, um, withstand the pressures, the outside pressures, whether that's picking your dirt bike up, whether that's like, you know, those moves where you're like, you know, you're going along and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, mm -hmm. <laughs> where you like everything flexes, like being able to withstand those. And then just like being able to like lift weights and then, you know, ultimately it's supporting your spine. Um, and like offloading pressure, you know, I always think like my vision of like when I'm in the gym or for example, in the gym training my core, my vision is like you have your spine as like bones and you have your discs. They're like jelly donuts and like your musculature is like on the outside of that. And it's like the suspension system. And, you know, rather than having a weight or anything um, resting on my spine and compressing the jelly donuts and exploding them. I always think like using the, the suspension system of my musculature to support my spine. So kind of like always thinking, you know, of my like core is supporting my body essentially. Mm -hmm. I think that was all I had said originally, right? Besides the tr force transfer. Yeah, I think so. We were kind of maybe talking about this a little bit prior to hopping on. <laughs> um, yeah, so then along those lines, right, you have, like, your core strength, you got your core stamina, um, all those things, and, you know. Just like your legs, like leg strength, leg right, muscle size. And with, leg... with the core, you could break it down into kind of four parts. There's obviously way more in there and you can get super geeky on all of the angles and rotations and all that. But you could think of, you know, you want to train flexion, extension, rotation, and stability or isometrics. Mm -hmm. um, so FIRE is a good little acronym. To make sure that you're, like a lot of times, like your classic, if you were to like, oh, like eight minute abs. I used to follow eight minute abs. I'm pretty sure it's basically solely flexion yeah. and maybe a hair of rotation because you do like a bicycle crunch. Right. But you're you're not really hitting any isometric or stability exercises and extension is definitely not in that. Um, extension would be kind of the, the opposing side of your front. So yeah, so I mean, real quick, we go through flexion would be um, like a, a, crunch a crunch or a V-up or a tuck up or a sit up, right? So you're flexing the spine forward. So that's using your front abs. Extension would be your your back and glute and hamstring kind of muscles. Um, so that would be like a good morning, a deadlift, back uh, extension. laying on the floor, doing a Superman or banana, whatever you want to call it. Rotation, right? Is anything where you're rotating through the midline. So this could be uh, like a seated Russian twist, uh, kind of a bicycle crunch would work a little bit. That's not a whole lot of rotation, but that would kind of work like a standing landmine rotation. Um, you'll see like med ball throws against the wall or popular to put on video just because it kind of looked cool, right? That's some rotation work. Um, and then the last one would be isometric or stability. So any type of plank, right? It could be side plank, front plank, Chinese plank, rear plank. Hollow body. Hollow body. Anyway, you were just holding. Yeah, L sits, right? Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So when you're looking at like a pretty well-rounded core little program, and it, it doesn't doesn't mean that it has to be every day, but let's say if you were doing over the week, you would like to see a program that hit all of those uh, 
things, elements, elements a couple times throughout the week, right? So you wouldn't want to just have a program, core program that only did like crunches and, and V-ups right. and L-sets because you're missing out on a whole bunch of the other parts that are very important. Right. And I feel like, I mean, we haven't talked about bracing yet, but like a lot of this is, I would say, lumped into like not your actual vision or idea of what a core exercise may be where you know I think a lot of times people get stuck on like I need to feel my abs burning and that burning sensation over and over and over again after 100 crunches and that's great that you know if that's what you know you need go ahead but I think the core and building your core is so much more than like feeling a burn in your front abs what about it <laughs> I think it's, oh, it's more than there's that. There's more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about your back abs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you need to work all the way around 360 degrees from nipples to upper thigh, basically, and you'll get that covered. Um, the next thing that's very important is bracing. So how to brace the midline. And I think... If anyone is lifting weights right now and you're like, I think I'm bracing correctly, please listen to this because this is super important. Yeah, we need to make a video on this because yeah. I got a pretty cool little drill that we use here at the gym that I kind of uh, stole part of it and made up the rest of it. So it's kind of original. Um, but it helps to to feel and get an idea for like what it means because when we're even doing like an air squat, this should be just a default mode. Like bracing the spine should not even be something you think about, you just do. And even if you're at, let's say, bending over to pick up a pencil, there's probably a percentage of it that you're doing automatically. Like if you're real sore and you go to pick something up, most likely you're bracing somehow, some way without even realizing it. Cause you're like, ah, as you like set a hand here and you set your feet a little wider, right? Or like you go to sit down on the toilet when you're really sore, like you're doing these things kind of naturally without even realizing it. Um, and then obviously the heavier the things that you're going to pick up, the more strategic you need to be in implementing it. So when we're talking about bracing now, we're, we're thinking about trying to protect or immobilize the spine, more or less. The trunk. The trunk. And I don't want to say that you can't go through flexion and extension and, and rotation and stay braced. You absolutely can. But for ease of thought, let's use like a squat or a deadlift as an example that we're bracing for. Um, under load. Uh, yeah, with the barbell, right? Mm -hmm. Like a back squat. Yeah, so a deadlift's a great example. Because we really, for the most part, unless you're specifically doing like a weird variation of a deadlift, like a Jefferson curl or something where um, you are trying to, you know, mobilize the spine under load, for the most part, we don't want to see any spinal shifting or movement under load in a deadlift. Like wherever that spine sets for you, neutral and naturally, you want to brace that position and maintain it throughout the entire lift. And that should look the same from an empty bar to a max rep. Like when your spine moves or shifts, that's it on your deadlift. It shouldn't be, oh, I lost my position in my lumbar and I rounded but I got the weight up, so I'm gonna add weight and do more. It's like, no. In fact, if you felt that part way up, you should have dropped the bar and stopped your lift, right? Because our goal is to maintain full range of motion that you can do in the movement from start to finish under light load all the way up to the heaviest load that you can lift. And when that range of motion changes or body position changes, that's it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, it should be the standard no matter what. So 
the bracing portion of this becomes more and more important as we're trying to pick up either heavy weight off the floor or put it on our backs or put it overhead or any of that stuff. When we think of bracing, we're also trying to use air to help, right? So if you take your hands, and I know nobody can see this, so I'll kind of just talk it through, but if you take your hands and you place your index without going to the body yet, just like out in front of you, put your thumbs together, put your index and middle fingers together, you kind of have a little circle, right? In the middle. Mm -hmm. So the idea being that we want to expand that circle out. So you should feel pressure. Like if you had a balloon that you were holding that was just filling this space and you started filling that balloon up, it would push the hands away, push the fingers away from each away from the thumbs and push the palms away from each other, right? Like 360 degrees. Yeah. So that's essentially what we're trying to do in our belly. So if you were to take your hands and place them above your hip bones in the soft spot, below the ribs, above the hip bones, and your thumbs are kind of on your spinal erectors, and your index and middle fingers are kind of wrapping around toward your belly button, and squeeze them together, like you're kind of trying to touch your fingertips together. Like through your body? Or? Through your body, okay. yeah. So it's kind of uncomfortable, right? But you can feel what's going on. Like So from here, if I set my shoulders back and down, and then I inhale into my belly, you can feel everything expand out, right? And start to build tension down there. And that's what we want. So if you're doing that squeezing, shoulders back and down, you wanna feel air come into your thumbs. So into the erectors, you wanna feel your obliques get pushed out and you wanna feel your belly go forward. Mm -hmm. And as that expands, then you kind of lock it off. So I just did it, I'm still talking, my voice changed a little bit, but I'm able to maintain that tension and braced position for a long time, right? And so when I'm going to lift something heavy, before it ever comes off the floor or before I put it on my back, I'll set my shoulders back and down, breathe that into that belly, 360 degrees, like I'm filling a balloon up down there, lock it off, pull the bar off, Let's say if I'm doing a back squat, I pull the bar off on my back, I take a step back, walk the bar back, clear the rack. Then I would sip air again and just keep that tension. And then I would do my lifting and breathing pattern of however, without ever losing that braced position until I racked the bar. With a deadlift, it's the same thing, right? You're just getting that air and getting that bracing in before you lift. Do the movement, do the lift. Once the bar's back on the floor, exhale and relax. Um, and that should just become something that is automatic. Mm -hmm. Like practice it with air squats, practice it with presses, practice it with lunges, everything. Um, and that's going to greatly increase your ability to lift more and more safely. Mm -hmm. I, I would say like the the degree of which you brace also like, I mean, if you're going for like a one rep max or say a heavy set, I would say anything under 10 reps of like a strength movement, the bracing is going to be a little more like I'm going to get my air, like my more, a little more prominent. Like I'm going to be holding my breath doing the Valsalva maneuver <gasps> and then, then lift rather than like if I'm doing, you know, 50 thrusters for time, 50 thrusters, I'm going to be breathing really hard, but I'm not going to lose that tension in my core. Correct. And this is where practice is just going to come into play. So being aware of it's the first step, paying attention to it and trying to implement it's the second step, um, using your best judgment for loading parameters while you're trying to figure this out is also highly, highly recommended. Um, but Dane's right. Like if you're doing a one rep max, you're going to hold your breath through that entire lift. There's no reason to breathe. Right. If you're doing a 10 rep max, there's 100% <laughs> no way that you can hold your breath the entire time. Yes. Right. But you're rebreathing at the top. You're going to rebreathe at the top. And while we're on this, we'll just mention like you still want to hold your breath on the way down and then exhale once you've passed the sticking point of the movement on the way back up. And that's fine. Then you would rebreathe at the top, re inhale into that tension 
hold your breath for lift, exhale when you're at the top or almost at the top of the movement through the sticking part of whatever lift you're doing. So squat's a good example because you could think of if you were standing in a pool that was, uh, the water came up to your shoulders. So your head was out of the water and you're standing in a pool and you got a barbell on your back and you got to do squats. Well, you're going to inhale at the top. You're going to hold your breath. You're going to go underwater. You can exhale on the way up again once you pass your sticking point. And then you're going to re-breathe at the top when your head is out of the water. So it's just kind of a cool way to think about it. Um, breathing strategies, again, become more and more important as the reps increase. Right. You know, even like a double. So two reps, you might get away with not having to breathe. You might be able to get two of those done. Um, three reps, you're probably going to have to figure out a breathing pattern in there. You know, rebreathe at the top. Mm -hmm. but again you never want to lose that tension because you can imagine if you have a heavy weight on your shoulder or in your hands and you lose that tension and brace and space that you've created in there with an exhale mm -hmm. like exhale all the way out just sitting where you are everything kind of collapses you're never going to get that position back like it's kind of yeah. over front squat's a great example um, which is a very demanding core strength exercise believe it or not because yeah. usually when you have a max rep front squat, especially in an untrained athlete, core is what fails first. It's not going to be leg strength. It's going to be your your upper back's going to round and you're going to dump the bar. Yeah. Um, the whole breathing thing, mechanism that we're talking about, is, the name of it's called a Valsalva maneuver. It's basically pressurization with, within the thoracic cavity. So creating extra pressure through holding your breath. Yeah. Um, and I keep harping on the belly breath but it's everything um the reason why i think it's important to think of drawing the breath down that low is because it's a little bit easier to feel it in the beginning and then you will fill it all the way up but yeah. if you think of just breathing into the chest cavity it's easy to not get the air into the belly mm -hmm. so like if you think about breathing into the belly once the belly fills up the air is going to go up almost no matter what, like you're going to get that tension through the rib cage, which we still want. But if you think of just breathing into the rib cage, sometimes you don't get that breath down lower. Yeah. So don't forget to do that. Breathe low. <laughs> yeah. Um, where does a weight belt play in, in the role? Um, just in terms of bracing. So, yeah, there's some, you know, you'll hear about this. I'm not a big fan of weight belts, knee sleeves, or any kind of accessories because, again, our gym, our sport is not the gym. So I don't feel like you need those. If you need those things, like, I would say go lighter until you don't need them. But. Sometimes I like to. I know, I know. Um, but if, if they do help you and you, for whatever reason, like, I think you need it, I, I'm not saying don't my, use it. My take on the weight belt Obviously, time and place. You should be, you should by no means be doing it with lightweight because you want to be able to support that weight. If it gets heavier, the, or I guess like the biggest thing for me in a weight belt is like where I feel like it's helped people is cueing them how to brace because you have it there. So it gives you like tangible feedback to have something to push yourself against. So, yes. Yeah. So like there is that like feedback element where I find that it's sometimes people can benefit from that to learn, oh, that's what that feels like, um, to push out 360 degrees because that's how the, be the belt wraps. Um, but I definitely don't think it's like a, do not like carry that thing with you for air squats or goblet squats or. Right. Unless you're rehabbing or like you have yeah. a specific reason. Um, but I think for the most part, it's, a crutch that yeah. you should work toward getting rid of. Yeah. One other thing too, as far as bracing goes for me, and I feel this is maybe more common with women, but bracing is not sucking in. So I've had women are, I say, tighten up your core and they pull their core in. But if you were to sit even wherever you are and you're going to put your fingers on your core and if you were to suck in, like you're not, it is not getting tighter. But if you're push out, that's where that core gets tighter right. and that's the bracing. So 
bracing is not sucking in. You know, it's not pulling your belly button to your spine. Like, you're not sucking in and making yourself look smaller. Right. <laughs> That's not bracing or tightening your core. Right. And the other thing with bracing is we're trying to brace into a neutral position. So neutral is not straight. And it's probably going to be look different depending on individuals. But we don't want to be excessively anterior or... Uh, excessively like arched yeah excessively arched through the lumbar so anterior tilt in the pelvis we don't want to be excessively posterior would be like tucking your tail in the pelvis right we want to be neutral because the spine's got a natural curve and all we're trying to do is maintain that position we're not trying to straighten the spine out we just want it to get locked into place and then stay there while we're under load for the most part and so i always cue for myself i always think shoulders back and down and then i literally you can feel your rib cage pop out when you do that shoulders back and down your back arches he's and like then, popping out his chest and you kind of feel the ribs that are popped out and you just kind of push those things back in and that engages your core and sets your upper back in a pretty good position and then for the pelvis you can stand up and do like the stripper booty right send the hips back and then you can tuck the tail underneath you and then find the middle of that and that's going to be kind of your neutral pelvis position and if you think of that like if you had two coke cans stacked on top of each other they make a nice straight cylinder and that's what we want because that's going to be your strongest thing under load and if you had the bottom cans your pelvis and the top cans your upper like thoracic spine rib cage and you tilt them one way, so you tilt the bottom of the can to the left, the top of the can to the left. Now the cans do not sit square anymore, right? They're kind of one edge is together and the other edge has space. And from like a stacked position, that's just not as strong, right? And that could be like an anterior tilt, if you will, an extension through the upper back. And if we went the other way and just rolled them forward, you'd have flexion of the upper back and flexion of the pelvis into a posterior tilt and again you have one edge of that can making contact and the other edges are floating and it's just not as strong a position so we're just trying to get neutral which is would be stacked on top of each other so we'd have a square top of pelvis meaning a square bottom of rib cage which is going to provide us the most stable um, platform to be able to express off of I think that was a pretty darn good expl explanation of bracing. I hope so. <laughs> I think it was. Um, so one of the things that I, th I think about all the time is like, so we want to brace under load. All lifts, basically, right? If we're overhead pressing, we want to brace. We want to be able to maintain that ribcage position. Um, if we're squatting, we want to be able to maintain ribcage spinal position let their hips and knees do their thing for deadlifting same deal we want to be able to have that great hinge pattern um what about when you're on the bike I know, like I'm not, when i'm riding i'm not bearing down and like trying to inhale and hold my breath and sip in air like that's crazy that's such an inefficient use of energy so with all of this core talk and then going to riding stamina core stamina becomes just as important if not maybe more important than overall like how much force can you transfer through your midline i don't know it's interesting like i don't you that's why i think we just need to train it all we need to train it under compound lifts we need to train it under carries um you know Farmer carries are amazing core exercises. People don't think of them that way too much, but go carry your body weight for 100 meters and tell me what hurts, right? Grip's going to be one, but other things too. Suitcase carry, which is a one-arm farmer carry, do half your body weight for 50 meters if you can. Should be able to a couple times. It's hard, real hard. 
Yeah. You know, um, so those are some decent metrics to go test your core strength. You should be able to probably hold an elbow front plank in a great hollow body plank position for two minutes. No problem. Um, 90 seconds side planks each side. Set on your elbow or hand? No problem from the elbow. Um, these are just rudimentary basics. This isn't like anything groundbreaking. Um, you know, you could probably throw L-sits in there. Starts to become much more demanding from parallettes or hanging. Um, so now we're talking about our favorite exercises? No, I was just kind of giving some ideas. I don't, it's hard to, like, how strong is strong enough and, and how strong is too strong, right? Like, I, I mean, I was also going to say, like, you know, in, in relation to dirt biking and almost, almost relate a little, uh, depends on the type of riding you're doing as well. Like I'm thinking of myself as like these long days in the mountains, like that's definitely hitting on more of the stamina and then also the reactionary quick, fast jolting movements, because that tends to happen, unfortunately for me more than, <laughs> more than I like. Well, and that's where but, like you need the, the, you need the overall, you need a good amount of strength, like mm -hmm. just basic strength in your midline. And that's trained through a bunch of different ways. And you need it in rotation, in extension, flexion, and mm -hmm. stability. And then you need a great deal of stamina through the, specifically to me, through the low back. Yeah. Which would yeah, be yeah, glutes, yeah. hamstrings, spinal erectors, um, which becomes very important for being able to, you know, ride for long periods of time. Yeah. I definitely, I feel like that's, a common with myself and be common with a lot of people. Like the first thing to, to go, cause you're standing up is your lower back. You're just right. like, it's just fatigue for me. It's just like 100% fatigue. Right. So, and typically that gets better as the season progresses, yep. right? Because you get seat time. So again, this would go back to the thing, use the gym for the, what it can be used for and don't yeah. stand in a riding position, not on your bike for 20 minutes at a time holding handlebars in the garage. Don't do that? No. Like, go ride. Oh. Like, you know um, what I mean? Like, I, I, I was going to say, like, the only thing that, like, foundation training, which is, like, a lower back training program, um, that's been, like, the most comparable thing to that burning, enduring pain in my lower back. And then I always think like deadlifts and all like your classic back strengthening exercises are just building the strength. They're not necessarily building the s stamina because you're, you know, you're not doing deadlifts for hours on end, but I feel like that helps provide me a foundation to then build that stamina. Is that right? Yeah, no, Boss. I would, no, I would, <laughs> um, yeah, I would think I, of it that way. Like, I've made it right in my head. You know, use, use the gym and the tools that are available to do what you can. And then you, you literally morph it and transmit it to the bike. And that's where you build the sports specificity to it. Right? Oh, wow. I'm not going to try and say that. I think I said it right. You might've, I might've screwed it up too. Um, but anyways, like you, it will transfer, right? You build it, it might take a little bit and then it, it transfers over, but that's where you need the strength. You need the stamina. Um, and you need to train all four of those patterns because they're all a little bit different, mm -hmm. right? Um, you could anti-rotation could be thrown in rotation, but that's kind of stability, right? Like Peloff press and stuff like that, uh, which is all great. And I feel like on the bike, you get a lot of that because, you know, if you're standing on one foot and you're kind of falling and you're cranking on the left handlebar and you're pushing on the right and your left foot's up in the air, you know, that's a lot of anti-rotation, mm -hmm. essentially, you're fighting. Yeah. And so, um, but you need to be able to call on that and real quick and then shut it off, turn it on, shut it off, turn it on, and then have the stamina to be able to hold great positions for long periods of time. Because the other part of that is like, as soon as your riding position falls apart, it's more dangerous, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Supercross is a great example when they talk about just not being able to push anymore. You know, they don't feel safe. They can't get in a great attack position, um, 
and lap time starts to slow down because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's obviously a little bit more extreme. You're not potentially doing that on long trail rides, but the idea is similar. You know, if you're too fatigued to be able to be in a good riding position while you're going over terrain on the trail or down hills or sketchy side hill, like it's ultimately not as safe as it could be if you were able to be in a position that is most advantageous for the terrain you're in. Yeah. Um, what would be your favorite core exercises, Josh? I, I don't honestly have any like favorites. I just program and do them all over time. Like, I think there's a lot that are missed, put it that way. I think um, hip flexors are rarely trained well, and they're not sexy. Like, uh, well, I think a big thing for you is like core strength is more than a sexy exercise, it's putting a bar on your back. Yeah, well, it, it's got to be like done in a function, right? So, I love farmer carries. I love suitcase carries, I love overhead carries, one arm, double arm, in all variations, Philly carries, front rack, kettlebell carries. If you've never done them, they're miserable. And if you think they're not, you haven't done them heavy enough. Um, front rack carry? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, barbell work is all core. Like any dumbbell works core, right? It's all core. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a little bit, some more than others, but done heavy enough, it's all now you can absolutely supplement and do accessory work too for core um you know strict toes of bar are fantastic and again tell me that strict toes of bar are only your six-pack abs nope there's a lot a lot there's a lot of shoulder chest um head flexors head flexors right so it's hard to have all this stuff in complete isolation unless maybe you're doing like just a crunch mm-hmm. um that's why i like carries so much it's going to incorporate everything. Um, yeah, the compound lifts are fantastic. Uh, planks are great. I think at some point, like a really trained individual, planks will become a little redundant. And, you know, if you can knock out four sets of 60 seconds and not really feel like you're doing much, you need to up it somehow, right? Add weight. Um, going from like a great 60 second plank to a great five minute plank. I don't know if there's a whole lot of utility in that. I know how to increase the plank difficulty. Stir the pot. Yeah. 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 Add some instability in there. Um, as much as I think a BOSU ball is fairly worthless, it's not bad to put your elbows on. (laughs) Um, Or like those body saws with the rings. Yeah, totally. No, exactly. So there's ways to increase the difficulty as you become more proficient at the exercise um, and regress it as well, right? So, you know, ring planks are simple way to add a little bit of instability to a plank and make it a little bit more challenging. So all of those things are fantastic. Um, I will say like, I, I know we've kind of I like- I think the back, sorry, one more thing. Go ahead. Um, the extension, the back stuff's a little bit harder to always get but very very important like deadlifts good morning seated variations single leg work all that stuff super important um, learning to hinge correctly is also very important for you know a healthy low back and glutes and hamstrings and having a different hinge pattern than a squat pattern mm-hmm. yeah anyways back to what I was saying yeah uh, I was going to say, you know, as much as a hard time I've given the sexy core burning moves, sometimes I like that, <laughs> you know, sometimes I actually just want the burning and the core. So I do the, the, a lot of the flexion, the V ups, the sit ups, the things, uh, you know, I don't want to just like throw that under the rug and be like, it's worthless, but no, it's not worthless. Um, you know, I actually, sometimes I like that. I just want to make sure that people know that it's not just that it's that plus more. Um, my other thing with core is the glutes. Um, I think those play a big role 
in in the core and so like for me like like I just did the post today of the lateral band walks and um, glute bridges but just like isolating our glutes getting the glute med minimus maximus all of that to go um, and fire I think is is a huge element to the core um, and supporting your spine and your pelvis yeah I would say though it's not that it's not firing it's just really weak yeah so like barring injury if your muscles don't work it's because they're too weak <laughs> it's not because they're not turned on or you're missing a signal or you need to fire learn to fire them correctly it's like no you need to get stronger there you go tell us how you really feel i just it drives me insane <laughs> some people might have like a neurological like, thing look, if you can't do a strict pull-up it's not because you don't know how to activate your lat it's because they're too freaking weak to pull you up to the bar <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because you're kind of right. No, I know. But I might have said something along the lines <laughs> of, this isn't firing. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You're it's probably 90% right. And then every once in a while, maybe something Look, has there's always up. outliers, but. <laughs> um, I will, I think, you know, we're just hammering the carries, but also like, a cool thing about the carry that maybe goes underlooked besides like the core and the the grip strength is like when when you're walking like your all the muscles that are stabilizing your pelvis as you walk under load i think is actually a really neat and important thing yeah we're bipedal we're um, upright yeah species um i love the paul off presses and all that um I love those. My my only grief or gripe, not grief, um, with some of this stuff, and again, I'm not knocking the exercise by any stretch, but I think it's they're easy to sandbag. I think it's 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 decently easy to get to a place of proficiency and then not push yourself further. So with something like a pellet press, yeah. because you can easily just have a tiny bit of tension on the band and go through the motions and blah, 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 and not get anything out of it. Instead of stretching that band out, working really hard, you know, for the, for the duration or for the set number. Um, so some of this stuff is up to you. That's why I like the carry stuff again, you know, like I said, put half your body weight on a, Find a dumbbell that's half your body weight and carry it for 50 meters, four, four sets, and you'll find where your oblique is on the other side. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is all really good. We've almost talked for an hour about core. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything you want to add before we wrap this up? Um, yeah, just, uh, learn to brace. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, we'll try and get a, uh, Instagram clip out on it soon. Or a YouTube video. Or a YouTube video or something. Um, I know there's some decent ones out there and some people talk about it, but especially for lifting, it's super important. Um, you know, the first step is just realizing that it's available, that it's something you can learn to do. And then the second is practice. And you're not gonna be great at it in the beginning. And then over time, with conscious effort, you will become better and better, and then pretty soon it's second nature. And it will transfer into other aspects. So then it'll be second nature on the bike, um, you know, and it'll just be this subconscious thing that's always working in your favor during activities. <clears throat> If somebody was is really wanting to increase their core strength now and wants to know what <clears throat> where to go from here, what would you recommend? Yeah, our program's got it in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's your sign. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can hit up the eight minute abs. 
or I don't know, do it. Just do, do some training. If you want a little bit of a structure, you know where to find us, enduromethod.com, providing sport-specific, dirt biking, dirt bike-specific, gym training, uh, off-the-bike training for those wanting to get in shape to ride and have more fun on the dirt bike. Yeah. And I, I mean, just a quick note on that. Like, <laughs> no gimmicks, right? We use the gym to the best of our ability to make and gain strength, conditioning, cardio, get the adaptation to say you can without wasting time. And then they transfer to the bike when you ride over time. So the more you can do both, the more benefit you're gonna get. Um, if you're only doing one or the other, you're missing out on a little bit. If you're only riding, you're missing out. And again, this just goes to like how much time you can spend doing the thing, right? Like if you can only ride one or two days a week, you're missing a whole lot of opportunity to make some serious progress in your strength and conditioning the other five days. Mm -hmm. If you can ride six, five, six days a week, you're still missing out on an opportunity to get some real strength and mostly strength gains because you're getting some of that, a lot of that conditioning on the bike and all that stuff. That's great. But you're missing out on some real opportunity to gain in strength or maintain some strength um, while you're riding that much. I mean, look at the best in the world of what they do. It's always a combination of everything. So there you have it. Yeah. And if you, if you can't make it a combination of everything where you're not able to ride that often and it's something you care about and want to get better at, then, uh, train yep. off the bike when you can all the time. Whether that's at your local gym yep. on your own at home, maybe your personal trainer or listening to this. Good job. At you. a gym, at a mix, yep. whatever works, whatever you do, yep. train your body. Not only good for dirt biking, but for your life and longevity as well. Well, yeah, longevity in the sport, longevity in general, right? Um. All right. Well, we let's wrap this up. Thank you all for listening. Um, hope you found this valuable. Um, feel like there are some good gems in there um, by the old Joshua. It's probably debatable. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.